back to part two of our college football show. Top-ranked Georgia meets SEC rival Tennessee as it looks to stay perfect. There should be plenty of scoring as high-powered Ole Miss welcomes Texas A&M and Notre Dame tries to avoid a second loss on the season against Virginia. Kyle is coming up a good week with a 3-1 record, so let's hear what our college football crew has on the cards for Week 11 Late Slate. Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is week 11 and it is part two. Today, going over the late slate, the afternoon games, the evening games. Yesterday, of course, the Wednesday show, we hit on the early slate. Hopefully you were able to catch that. If not, go back after this live show and watch that one. We had, uh, we had a lot of fun yesterday. Let me go ahead and introduce our panel of experts. We're going to start off on the right side today. Kyle Hunter, our award-winning professional handicapper. You can find him on Twitter, at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, uh, today we have got a fantastic slate of awesome big-time games and games for the sickos, right? <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun today. I like that mix, Gary. That's always kind of my favorite. Some of the big games, some of the small games, and uh, you got to start with a winner last night, so that's nice. Yeah, you have got that right. Central Michigan rocking and rolling for us. Uh, on the left side, Parker Fleming, our numbers guy, our stats guy, our analyst, as some might call him. You can find him on Twitter, at Stats of War. Parker, uh, yeah, started out with a win last night for me, Maction. I know that you hate uh, hate playing those games, but, you know, it, it's a lot of fun, right? The numbers don't always work out, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I think that Central Michigan game was the only one I actually did did well on on, on, the, on the Mac there. Um, yeah, I was talking I was talking to uh, another a fellow nerd of mine, and we were talking about how our records for Maction are actually pretty okay, but our mean absolute error is like absurd. So I think he said last night or this week he went like one and uh, he went he went like five and one or whatever on Maction, but his mean absolute error was sixteen. <laughs> so it's a it's a toss up. But man, I'm excited for this late slate. I think there's some off the radar games that are really interesting, and yeah, I mean there's three weekends of football left. Like I know I know we talk about games being uh, for sickos are hard, but man, that like February Saturday where I don't know what to do, that's coming <laughs> sooner rather than oh, later. Oh yeah, oh you have got that right. Uh, let me go ahead and tell everybody what they need to do so I don't forget it before we get into our recap. Of course, head over to betus.com where the game begins and use the promo code NCAAF2021 and you will get a 125% sign up bonus up to $2,500 and it is sports book exclusive. I, uh, I waited too long to get it out yesterday, so I want to go on and start off the show with it. Make sure and take advantage of it. There is a link in the description. You can click that link. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you. Again, promo code is NCAAF2021 for 125% sign-up bonus. Uh, along with that, I see several people watching the show. Go ahead and like the video for us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Uh, I already told you once, we did a show yesterday. We do a show on Thursday as well. Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, we go live. Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, you can hit the notification bell, and it's going to tell you when we're going live. So you don't even have to remember it. We, we try to make things simple. So go ahead and knock that thing out. Jump into the chat. We do a Q&A at the end of every show. So if we do not hit on a game that you would like an opinion on, we will certainly let you know why we did not take it or which way we're leaning, etc. Just give you some thoughts on those games. So jump into the chat. We've already got Mark, Trey, Stephen, Paul, uh, Alejandro's in here. 
there. We got a bunch of guys in here. So join in and let us know your picks on the games and which games you would like for us to talk about in the Q&A. Also, there is a podcast version of the show for those that are not able to actually watch it live. If you'd rather just listen to us uh, in our sultry voices on your radio or in your in your headphones, take advantage of that. Go and sign up for the podcast. Uh, subscribe to it at any of your favorite podcast locations and leave us a nice five-star review on that. We would certainly appreciate it. Let's jump into the recap. Here is what we have done thus far on the season. We try and be as transparent as possible. On the season, I am sitting at 38 wins, 31 losses, and three pushes. And that is an updated graphic from last night. I like that. Go on and toss in that Central Michigan win and make me look a little bit better. Uh, Kyle is sitting at 30 wins and 21 losses. Parker, 38 wins, 43 losses, and three pushes. Overall on the season, 106 95 and 6 thus far. Not too shabby, if I do say so myself. Gentlemen, uh, we are going to start off today in the SEC. And first game on the board is the uh, the big-time game on CBS this week. 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the Georgia Bulldogs. Number one unanimous team in the country. A 20-point favorite on the road at the Tennessee Volunteers. Total of 56. And the Vols have kind of been rolling here lately. Josh Heupel has got things cooking up there. And you look at some of these numbers, though, it doesn't exactly look favorable for Tennessee. Last year, Georgia won this matchup 44-21. to Georgia is 4-1 and against the spread their last five against Tennessee. But it is a new day in Knoxville. Things look a little bit different for this football team. Remember, this was a team that could not score on hardly anybody. And now, uh, under Josh Heupel, that offense is absolutely rolling. Georgia 10-0 straight up, 8-2 against the spread. Their last 10 as a road favorite. They are 4-0 since last November. Tennessee, 0-5 straight up, 1-4 against the spread the last two seasons as a home dog. They are 0-2 against the spread and straight up in such spots this season. Uh, Parker, I want to start with you. Uh, my, my concern here is that Tennessee allowed Kentucky to run 99 plays last week, and that was not an aberration. This team is averaging giving up 100.7 plays per game over the last three games, and they don't have a ton of depth on that defensive side of the ball. Everybody talks about Georgia's defense, but the offense has not been bad, right? No, not at all. In fact, their offense is 26th in uh, EPA per play, and that's not adjusted for opponents. So um, I I think that they will be able to score, obviously, more than Kentucky will. Um, And, 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 you know... the, the whether George is going to cover or not really depends a lot on pace. One thing I'm looking for in this game, Gary, I, I, I've got this right at 20 and a half. So I'm right in agreement with the spread, which is why I don't have a play here, although I certainly would lean towards Georgia. Um, what, one thing to look for here, Tennessee is running play action on 52.8% of their drives, right? And so, of course, play action is a little slower developing. They've been able to get away with that because they haven't played as good of defenses. Um, and and uh, Hooker's only been pressured on 30.8% of his dropbacks. So I really am not sure that Tennessee's offensive line is going to be able to hold up against this Georgia front, and they're not going to be able to run that play action kind of rollout game with with Hooker that, that's been confusing to other teams. And so I, I think that's really where the matchup comes down. You know, Tennessee's offense, 34th in EPA per play, 51st in the pass, just kind of okay, 22nd in the rush. Um, if they can't run play action in the pass game, that passing EPA is going to be really, really bad. And then again, um, 
Georgia's defense is fourth in EPA per rush, so it's not like Tennessee can line up, you know, in 21 personnel and and just march the ball down the field, or excuse me, 12 personnel and just march the ball down the field. So if Tennessee can't get that play-action pass, man, this could get out of hand quickly. We've seen that Tennessee can score. Last week, I think they scored on all but three drives against Kentucky. Um, and, but we also have seen that Georgia can score as well. So I, I think this is a crazy total here. Um, and I, I think we definitely see the over, but I, I think Georgia um, is just going to absolutely be able to have their way on offense against this Tennessee defense. I would imagine that Tennessee at some point will put up some points uh, somewhere. I mean, they'll they'll be able to find something. I mean, Kentucky scored 13 on, on Georgia. I would imagine Tennessee will be able to put up at least a couple of touchdowns. But will that be enough, right? That's that's the question. Does Georgia just want to hold on to the football until that defense is completely gassed? And and then maybe they toss on some more points. That's why I'm a little concerned about that total. But I thought the same thing as you did, where I think Georgia's going to be able to score at will, and but I don't know what Tennessee's going to be able to do. So, uh, Kyle, I want to get you in here. You know, the last three games, Tennessee actually giving up a lower third down percentage, a lower red zone scoring percentage. Um but Tennessee giving up 0.414 points per play and Georgia only giving up 0.12. This just looks like a massive mismatch. Hey, guys, I think the Tennessee defense has actually outperformed my expectations for them based on Josh Heupel coming in there, uh, playing that really fast-paced style, and they're not a very deep defense. So I think they've actually played pretty well, all things considered. 43rd in yards per play allowed. Uh, And if Georgia has a test before Alabama, this is the one, right? Georgia really hasn't played that tough of a schedule overall. My question is... Let me me jump in. It's not going to be Alabama. (laughs) <laughs> they're not going to play Alabama, but we'll, we'll worry about that later. That's some reser- Gary, you get your reverse jinx Alabama fan mojo off this show. All right. You stop that. Uh, I was going to say, like, this- I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's going to be a, you know, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. I was wondering if Gary had some breaking news or something. No. <laughs> uh, just your Alabama fan. Okay. Uh, I got it. Yes. But uh, let's just say this then this is their test before the sec title game. Um, Stetson Bennett ranks 23rd in PFF quarterback grade so far this year. But guys, I'm still not so sure about his upside. He did cost them in a big way uh, last year against Alabama in that big game. Uh, I still kind of think that if Daniels is healthy, he might have the higher upside. The truth is, though, uh, Georgia doesn't really need an elite quarterback with the run game and defense that they have. So, you know, I don't know if this is the type of game where Georgia is really threatened. Um, you know, Georgia's defense is so much better than any other defense in the country. Their depth and athleticism is unmatched. Uh, the question to me is, can Tennessee get some first downs because they're playing so fast or is it going to be a bunch of quick three and outs? Because when you play that fast, if you have to punt it right away every time, Georgia's going to really gas that defense, like you said. Um, I'm going to lean toward Tennessee with the points here, thinking that Georgia hasn't really been tested too much. This might be a bit of a test for them. Uh, I think Georgia wins this game fairly comfortably, but 20 is quite a few points. What uh, what do you think about the total here? I, we we both the 56 just feels. At if you had to lean, would you lean it over? I would lean it over. I don't really like betting these games where one team stalling and they're the better team. Uh, Tennessee is first in tempo, and then obviously Georgia's very slow paced. If Georgia gets a lead here, I could see them wanting to run the football a lot and just kind of get out of dodge. So uh, I'm going to pass on that, but if I had to bet it, I'd bet the over. I I certainly could go along with that. Um, and let's see, who was it? We had somebody that, oh, it was Mark that was asking about uh, about what Kyle thinks about this total. Uh, with that said, 
I mean, this number's almost right on the dot. My line on it was 22. Uh, my total on it was 57. I I don't feel strong one way or the other, and neither to, uh, neither do the experts here. So, uh, so no official plays on this one, but we would love to know what you think. Go ahead and jump into the comments and let us know. But that said, we're going to move into uh, a Sunbelt game. Louisiana headed to Troy, and Troy is a six-and-a-half-point home dog Total of 48 and a half. Louisiana won the last matchup in 2019, 53 to 3. Um, Troy, of course, won it in 2018, 26 to 16. Uh, and before that, they had not played since 2015. So this is not a typical matchup that we get. Troy, 0 and 3 straight up, 1 and 2 against the spread as a home dog under Chip Lindsey, uh, has won three of the last four uh, this season, though. Louisiana, 7 and 0 straight up, 2 and 5 against the spread as a road favorite the last two seasons. You look at these numbers, I mean, Louisiana is better overall on offense and defense uh, over the last three games, over the season. But I, I kind of feel like Louisiana likes to play with their food sometimes. They, they play down to the level of competition. They don't really uh, exert their dominance, we'll say. And maybe that's a talent thing. Maybe they just aren't capable of doing that. Uh, Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. I I don't know what to make of Louisiana, especially on the road. They have not been great covering in that spot, and and Troy has enough talent to be able to keep in this ballgame. Yeah, guys, 70% of the bets on Louisiana, 92% of the money on Louisiana. I kind of think this line's going to go to seven based on what I'm seeing here. So uh, it's kind of interesting because it's a little bit surprising that people are so excited to bet Louisiana they really haven't played that well. I know they're eight and one against uh, straight up, but they're three and six against the spread. Uh, both of these teams have kind of underachieved. Uh, Troy has underachieved all throughout Chip Lindsay's time here. Let's be honest. Um, Levi Lewis has been struggling really badly. I talked about this a few weeks ago, but um, you know this has really led to Louisiana's games going under the total consistently. Eight of their nine games have gone under the total. Lewis has a PFF grade that ranks 161st out of all quarterbacks. That's behind Matt McDonald from Bowling Green and just ahead of Max Bortenschlager from FIU. So this is not where I would have expected him a couple years ago because Lewis was you know, pretty good there for a while. Obviously, the talent around him, not as good, but still uh, kind of disappointing there for uh, Lewis. The Troy defense has intercepted 14 passes this year. That's the third most in the country. So very aggressive defense. Uh, Troy still has that very unimaginative offense. Uh, I don't trust them to score very many points against Louisiana. Troy's very pass heavy, 51.5% pass plays. Louisiana ranks 30th in uh, passing play success rate allowed. Louisiana's very run heavy, 60% of their plays are runs. And Troy ranks 9th in the nation in yards per carry allowed, 13th in rushing play success rate allowed. Uh, this is a fairly low total, but if I had to bet this game, I would bet the under. Uh, hopefully we can get 49 or higher on this one, 49 being a key number. And with a fairly low total and a lot of even numbers, you would think I'd want to take Troy plus the points here. But guys, I can't take Chip Lindsay over uh, Billy Napier. <laughs> it's just such a coach mismatch. Um, I understand wanting to take Troy in this game, but I can't do it. That's that's exactly how I feel. You stole some of my numbers here, Parker. Troy, number nine in defensive yards per rush allowed. I mean, they're giving up. 2.98 for the season. That is uh, that's a mismatch here because that's what Louisiana does. Uh, 
But is there, I feel like maybe schematically there are things that Louisiana can do to take advantage of Troy and them being a little over-aggressive. Uh, give me give me some ideas here. I mean, Troy, there are things to look at with Louisiana, right? Troy did give up 5.4 yards per carry to Coastal Carolina. Give me your thoughts on, on Troy and Louisiana here. Yeah, so I think that the the way to look at this is is kind of uh, threefold, if you will, and why why I'm going to have a pick on this game is I, I think that Louisiana has been very consistent on both sides of the ball, but uh, rather uninspiring outside of a, a pretty unexpected win against uh, App State. All of their games have been have been close. Uh, well, and you know, obviously Ohio, but Ohio's Ohio. Um, uh, and that upstate game, I mean, Chase Bryce just fell apart. So I think that Louisiana has just won games by being consistent and kind of being the better, um, the, the more well-coached team. But I do think we might be underrating this, this Troy defense, which is just crazy to say, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't love giving Chip Lindsay credit, um, but Chip Lindsay this season has been playing to cover, not playing to win. And, uh, and that's resulted in a bunch of close games for them. You mentioned their record against the spread. W- one thing is if you look at their kind of run pass splits here, like Kyle said, uh, early downs rush rate, Louisiana is rushing on 55.5% of plays, um, and their EPA per rush is ninth. Uh, on the flip side, they're seven, uh, Troy is 17th in EPA per rush on defense, and so that's kind of a strength on strength there. The, the thing that really, really makes me nervous, um, Troy has two guys with with 28 or more pressures, uh, Javon Solomon and Richard Jabooner, I think, um, ed- edge rushers who are pretty disruptive. And the, the problem with Louisiana on offense is that Levi Lewis really can't throw the ball downfield. He has um, 11% of his total throws have been downfield. I think as they've seen him, he's a good processor, good decision maker, does not have the arm strength to kind of go deep and make big plays, um, which, you know, I think, for instance, Coastal Carolina, Grayson McCall obviously could put the ball downfield. And so, um, you know, if, if Troy can pressure Levi Lewis more than the 24.6% of the time that he's been pressured, I think they'll be disruptive enough against uh, Louisiana to, to kind of frustrate their passing game. And that'll make Louisiana, you know, kind of commit even more to the run. Um, uh, one other thing to look at, you know, 40% of Levi Lewis's passes are kind of in that zero to nine yard line. Uh, so they're really throwing it short, a lot of multiple reads, but they've dropped 10 balls. Um, and, and Lewis has 11 turnover worthy plays on, um, you know, just, uh, like 210 attempts here. And so I, I really think that Troy, if they're going to be disruptive in the pressure and the fact that Louisiana's wide receivers are not that great of a unit, will be able to frustrate this offense, make them run. And that means I think this will be a close game. Um, and, and, and so that's why I would lean towards Troy, not lean. I'm not leaning. I'm picking Troy plus, plus <laughs> some points here, because I think that their pass rush is, is probably better than we're giving them credit. And Louisiana's wide receivers are just not that good. Couple that with, Lewis can't get downfield. And then you're right, Troy's Troy's offense is awful. But um, I, I think they'll be able to restrict what Louisiana can do on offense. Also, speaking maybe as a TCU guy, maybe Billy Napier's mind is a couple hundred miles uh, west and they're just not as sharp. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I uh, I could understand it. I could understand it. Uh, it. It might also be heading over to uh, Blacksburg, Virginia, but uh, we'll see. We'll see probably in <laughs> December. So uh, let's make it official. Parker has a play on this one, and he is going to ride with the Troy Trojans plus the six and a half. And I, I can't argue with it. I do not like what Louisiana does, especially when they go on the road. Uh, like I said, they play with their food, and I'm not going to play it because I have also seen when they see a team as a threat, 
they demolish them much the same way we saw with App State. Uh, if they can do that to Troy's offense, they get short fields and whatnot, they can certainly take advantage. But but I like Troy in this spot. It is is certainly not a bad play to me. We'll move on from there, and we are jumping over to the Big 12. Iowa State headed to Texas Tech, and the Red Raiders are a 10.5-point dog at home, total of 58.5. Of course, Matt Wells has already been fired. Texas Tech coming off of a bye week. Uh, Iowa State won last season 31-15. to They are 5-0 and straight up and against the spread in their last five against Texas Tech. Iowa State this season, though, only 2-2 two and two against the spread as a road favorite. Uh, one of those was a win over UNLV, and the other was over a quarterback-injured Kansas State team. Uh, Tech 0-1 against the spread and straight up since firing Wells. Of course, that was the loss to Oklahoma. Uh, nothing to be concerned with there. Um, they are 2-2-1 two, two and one against the spread the last two seasons as a home dog. Guys, uh, Kyle, we'll start off with you on this. Iowa State is, is number 10 in defensive yards per play. Texas Tech is number 106. Uh, the only thing that I could see that might keep Tech in this ballgame is turnovers. And and it feels like Iowa State has really cleaned that up. You know, that was a concern early in the season. But honestly, if you look at this team over the course of the season, the only game where they had a negative turnover margin for the entire game was against Iowa. It was They were negative four. But they've had either even or plus in every game since then. Uh, if Texas Tech doesn't get turnovers here, I don't know how they were able to compete here. What uh, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think Brock Purdy has played uh, pretty well after having a couple bad games earlier in the season against Iowa and Baylor. Um, you know, his PFF passer grade is 45th best in the country. He does have an A dot of just 7.3. So his upside is at least somewhat limited. And I would assume that the reason his A dot is, is such a short amount is uh, at least somewhat because their tight end is so good, and then they're throwing the ball to Brees Hall a lot out of the backfield. Um, you know, I think that kind of short passing game, though, probably works against a defense like Texas Tech. You know, maybe it doesn't work against a really good defense, but we know Texas Tech's defense is not good. Um, Iowa State's 6-3 and three on the season, but they're fifth in the nation in yards per play margin. So this team has been pretty darn good. They just, you know, lost a couple games they probably shouldn't have lost. Um, and to me, the Iowa State defense is the thing that's a bit tricky. Uh, I feel like they're a little inconsistent, to say the least. These guys rank 10th in yards per play allowed, 9th in defensive explosiveness allowed, and somehow they gave up 38 points to West Virginia. I mean, everybody has a bad game. These are college guys, but that one still uh, surprises me a lot. Iowa State is only 98th best in the country on third down on offense, so I would expect that to improve a bit. Maybe they're getting in third and longs there, but uh, that's pretty bad for an offense that has been pretty good in general. I don't have any strong opinion on this one. If, I think if I had to bet it, I'd probably bet Iowa State. Uh, you know, I don't want to bet Texas Tech with that kind of defense. And, uh, you know, I think Iowa State's defense is good enough that probably the Texas Tech passing game won't be that great here. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things that I looked up. Iowa State number nine on defense and allowing 20-plus yard plays. Uh, Texas Tech's not going to be able to be explosive in this spot. Parker, uh, sometimes the numbers don't lie, right? This just certainly seems like Iowa State should be able to handle this spot. There is a lot of momentum at Texas Tech. Of course, new hire Joey McGuire. Uh, everybody's excited about it, but that will have no bearing, really, on what goes on on the field here. I Iowa State, I like like Kyle was talking about, I sometimes cannot figure this team out. 
their numbers have been really good all season. And yet sometimes they throw up clunkers. Is there any reason to expect a clunker in Lubbock? I really don't think so. Um, I, I would say, you know, we talk about Nebraska being, you know, what, uh, one in 300 in one score games under Scott Frost or whatever it is. And uh, a couple of plays go differently and maybe we're uh, looking looking differently there. Iowa State's a very similar team this year, but they're only six and three um, against Baylor. A couple key turnovers that were just uh, not turnover, special teams plays that were just absolutely bizarre. And they, they, they absolutely should have won that game uh, against West Virginia. They fumbled at first and goal at the two. They probably should have come away with that game. Um, and then their their other loss was was Iowa. You know, the, Iowa was kind of at the peak, very beginning, and, and Iowa State always starts slow. So I, I think that this Iowa State team is very very close to being a very excellent team. What the cause of that is, I'm not I'm not sure what you can say. Um, Texas Tech is a team to fade here, though. They were at one point number one in EPA per play. I think after week four, just absolutely lights out on offense. They played some bad teams, but they're down to 30th on offense. And so I think this Iowa State defense is really really good. But note against West Virginia, um, Mike Rose was out there. Uh, defensive back who who's so excellent or linebacker and so he's he's going to be back this week I think that their defense will overwhelm Texas Tech and Texas Tech if you look at their schedule this season is a team that unravels so um, yes they had a close win against West Virginia after West Virginia really really um, kind of played their hearts out against um, uh, against Oklahoma but if you look at some of these losses man uh, Texas 70 to 35 TCU 52 to 31 uh, Kansas State, they were up 14 to nothing. They lose 25 to 24. Oklahoma, 52-21. Really, really easy for, for Texas Tech to spiral and just let these games get out of hand. So I could see this being a little bit close early on just because Iowa State's offense is still working on finding themselves. But, uh, you know, Texas Tech is giving up 101st, is 101st in EPA per rush on defense. That's Brees Hall's number, man. Big runs. It doesn't matter if they can be consistently successful. He's going to pop off a huge, big, huge, big runs. And I think that Iowa State's offense can play really simply and really conservatively and just beat up this Texas Tech defense. So uh, I, I really like Iowa State here, um, especially because Texas Tech's rush game has carried them in some of their closer games and Iowa State's defense, 22nd EPA per rush. So I think they're more physical. I think that... Um, you know, they'll have their players healthy and down the stretch here, Iowa State's trying to sneak into the Big 12 championship. They've got a lot to play for it. And Matt Campbell can certainly get those guys going and kind of galvanize a team. Uh, that's why I like uh, Iowa State on the road. I, I can totally understand it. I do have a quick question. You said after like week four or whenever it was, they were number one in EPA per play. Does the loss of Tyler Shuck, like, is it that drastic of a difference between him and Henry Columbia and, and whoever else has been playing, like, is that the reason for it? Or is it more so just opponent adjusted? Um, it, it's definitely opponent adjustments. And obviously Tyler Shuck was uh, kind of a polarizing figure uh, in the offseason about what Texas Tech could do with him. Um, he was pretty good. And of course, when you lose your quarterback, everything un unwinds there. But I, I think it was, you know, 70-30, that's just off the top of my head, but it was mostly opponent adjusted because you look back at the Texas game and Texas is not very good this year and they just got blown out. Um, and then they really have not been able to score very much um, without help from, you know, random special teams. So uh, that Houston win though, one of the weirder wins, maybe I, maybe I said that yesterday, but uh, I think Houston beating Texas Tech and Western Kentucky beating, uh, Western Michigan rather, beating Pittsburgh are going to go down as two of the weirdest college football wins we've had in a long time. Um, and so certainly they had some good mojo going, but but definitely stalled uh, as competition got harder and as uh, they, they had to switch quarterbacks. 
totally, totally understand. So let's make it an official play here. Parker likes Iowa State minus the 10 and a half. Gentlemen, we are going to move to the SEC. Don't believe, uh, well, we did have the Alabama game yesterday. Only one SEC game yesterday. Uh, but we've got a few or a couple today. And we're going to jump to South Carolina at Missouri. Uh, now, this is a pick em at this point. Uh, so some of these these trends that I'm going to give you are not uh, are not great, right? <laughs> because I wrote out a whole lot of different things. But uh, but Missouri won this seventeen to ten last year. The total on this is fifty five. By the way, uh, a few more points than I expected here. Um, but Missouri has won and covered two straight against South Carolina. South Carolina won and covered three straight before that. South Carolina two and five against the spread and zero oh and seven straight up in their last seven as a road dog. They are no longer a dog. They were a dog. And now it has been bet back the other direction. Uh, Missouri, they're one and seven against the spread in their last eight as a home favorite. They're no longer a favorite, is what it is. Uh, Missouri, 0 and 11 against the spread until they covered as a 40 point dog against Georgia last week. Uh, you got some injury concerns here, of course. Connor Bazelak, uh, not going to be 100%. He was spotted on the practice field, but he was walking gingerly, didn't go through a bunch of the drills. They don't know if he's going to play. He did not play last week. Uh, so that is certainly big for Missouri. Um, South Carolina, uh, you, their defense has actually been pretty good. I I, I want to dive into some of this. Uh, Parker, I want to I want to get your opinion on this first. South Carolina sneakily has got five wins on the season. They are in bowl contention. They are they've got a shot here. I I, I like South Carolina a lot here. What uh, what kind of numbers do you have? Yeah, well, I mean, what was the over three and a half was the yeah. win total for South Carolina, I think. Shout out to Shane Beamer. I also this offseason did kind of like a returning talent index that accounted for transfers and returning starters and and, you know, all this stuff. And South Carolina was, you know, in the 120s, one of the worst there. And, and they've really been able to be consistent, mostly because and, defense and has been oh, lost, lost two quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, on their third cycling through quarterbacks. Uh, and honestly, mostly this defense has just been so good. 21st overall in EPA per play against some pretty tough competition. Um, and, and I think they're, you know, a testament to Shane Beamer's coaching. They're doing some things well uh, on special teams, 39th in starting field position on offense. So that means their defense and their special teams are really setting their offense up for success. Granted, their offense stinks. It's 122nd. Um, but Missouri's defense is 123rd, and Missouri's offense is only 63rd. So uh, I, I think Missouri is rudderless. Um with, with Bazelak, they can score some points, but this South Carolina defense is, is pretty stout. And um, I think we're talking about leadership in Missouri this offseason because they have just they have just looked utterly feckless, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. One thing to look at, um, early downs EPA, South Carolina 17th on defense in the nation. Missouri's offense is uh, 88th. And so they're, they're, they're way worse on early downs than they are at any other situation. So if South Carolina can be aggressive and make – Missouri into those long third and long situations. I think this defense could capitalize. And I mean, dare I say it? Uh, I think they can keep it close. Um, my numbers still do like Missouri's offense uh, just because South Carolina's offense is so, so bad at everything. But um, especially with news about injury and everything, I don't, I wouldn't begrudge anyone a pick here of South Carolina, um, especially if it, it's moved to a pick them, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's up to a pick them. Now it was South Carolina plus one uh, on the road, but uh, you know, there's there's reason to like South Carolina here. Multiple multiple reasons, like you said, they look feckless right now. Uh, Kyle, you know, let me get your thoughts on this one. Um, 
you know, without Basilak, I don't know what this offense is or or even can be. Uh, they depend on him a lot uh, in in that offense. What uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, Macon's a pretty highly touted guy from Missouri, but he didn't look terribly great in that first game. I know people were saying he threw several uh, sidearm passes, throwing off his back foot, things like that. Uh, very new, very new to the system. I think Basilak to whoever Cook or uh, Macon would play is a pretty big drop-off, at least at this point. And I know most of the coverage from last week's South Carolina blowout win over Florida was about how bad Florida is. But I think South Carolina does deserve some credit here. They've been really well coached this year. And that's, I mean, you guys saying the same thing. Three and a half was their win total. They sit here at five and four, almost dead even on a yards per play margin. I definitely didn't think South Carolina would be sitting dead even on a yards per play margin at this point in the season. Um, South Carolina wants to run the football. And I guess who's a great team to run it against? Missouri. <laughs> Uh, I think the three of us could probably run against Missouri. Uh, Missouri giving up 6.16 yards per carry so far this year, 128 out of 130 teams in the country. So I have to assume that South Carolina is probably going to have success running the football, um, regardless of who's playing quarterback for them. South Carolina's defense has been good at not giving up big plays. They're 22nd in the nation and explosiveness allowed on defense. The one concern I have it stands out to me about South Carolina, somehow they fumbled the ball 19 times this year. Uh, only three teams have more fumbles than them. Uh, this might not be the prettiest game ever, guys. Uh, you know, South Carolina's number three in the nation at PFF special teams grade. That could definitely matter in a game like this. Like I said, I think this is kind of an ugly game, but an ugly game can still win you money. And I tend to agree with Gary on this one. I, I definitely lean towards South Carolina. And that's my my biggest part on this. Uh, one, South Carolina, number 37 in opposing QBR. Um, if you base everything that you do really on the pass with Connor Bazelak and, and whatever else they're doing, uh, South Carolina is not an easy team to throw the ball against. And on the other side, like you said, Missouri, number 128 in rushing defense, giving up 6.16 yards per rush. Uh, South Carolina has averaged 4.5 yards per rush in the last three 6.76 yards per rush against Florida last week. Uh, now, granted, Florida had some guys out, et cetera, but here's the deal. They've got uh, Zaquandre uh, White excuse me, and Kevin Harris um, both healthy again. And and you've got, uh, uh, what's not Lattimore, uh, Lloyd, I think is the, the other running back. They've got a, a healthy stable of backs now, which they haven't had for most of the season. And on top of that, Jason Brown, the quarterback there that is the third string, came in from, I believe, St. Francis, actually looked competent and in control against Florida last week. Now, it's easy to play from ahead, et cetera, but from the beginning of the game, from the very get-go, he looked like a guy that understood what his role was, and the coaches put him in a really good position to be successful. I like what South Carolina's doing. I like their culture. I don't know what Missouri is doing. Uh, so I'm going to roll that direction. Let's make it an official play. I like South Carolina a lot here. My line on it was three. Uh, I had them at plus one. I still like them at a pick them. Uh, anything under a field goal, I feel really good at because I, I think South Carolina is the better football team. What Shane Beamer is doing there with reestablishing a culture is very impressive to me. Very impressive. Uh, let me go ahead and remind everybody, like the video. We've got multiple people watching, uh, not as many likes as are watching. So hit that thumbs up button for us. Subscribe to the channel. We're trying to grow this thing. We've got a bunch of goals that we want to hit. We have redone some goals 
But, uh, but you can help us meet them by hitting that subscribe button and sharing out the show. Of course, hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. Wednesdays are the early slate games, and that is at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And on Thursday, we do the afternoon and evening slate, and that is at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, make sure that you subscribe, like, share, and jump into the chat. We've got several questions already. Uh, Mark wants Washington State, Oregon. Scott wants TCU, Oklahoma State. So I'm sure Parker will have some thoughts on that one. And, uh, and we've got many other ones as well. So jump in with any games that you would like for us to hit at the end of the show. Uh, with that said, we have got a few more here. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Arkansas State heading to ULM, Louisiana Monroe. And the Warhawks are a three-point favorite at home, total of 66 and a half. Arkansas State won last year, 48 to 15. Arkansas State is 10-0 and straight up and against the spread against Louisiana Monroe. I, that number shocked me. Arkansas State totals gone under in four straight games. They're averaging 18.5 points per game, but that was against App State, uh, South Alabama, Louisiana, and Coastal. So three of the best teams in the Sun Belt and, of course, South Alabama, who their numbers have just been awesome this year. Uh, Louisiana Monroe five and one overs in their last six games. They are four and five against the spread this season. Uh, you look at some of these numbers here. I I don't know what to make of this game, Parker. Uh, we have talked a lot about the Sun Belt this year. Uh, Arkansas State has been a strange one. Lane Hatcher has had six interceptions in the last two games. Uh, the offense seemed to gel better when James Blackman was in. He of course has been injured. Uh, but you look at some of these defensive numbers. Whew. Um, I, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, you got a thought on it, Parker? Yeah. I, so Gary, I do these previews and post them on Twitter and it's like blue is good and red is bad. And the one for Arkansas state, Louisiana Monroe is like blinding with all the red here. <laughs> 125th, uh, EPA margin for Arkansas state, 118th for Louisiana Monroe. Um, also an interesting clash of styles, Arkansas state throwing, uh, or rushing only on 38.2% of early downs and Louisiana Monroe is rushing on 57.1. So that style mismatch is interesting because you know, if, if who can dictate the pace one stat to note, I guess I'll say two, um, Arkansas state 129th in EPA per play defense, uh, ULM is 113th between the two of them they have 258 missed tackles on the season ulm's missed 133 arkansas state has missed 125 this is going to be a terrible uh, and hilarious game i have the total here at almost 78 because i do not believe that defense exists i think both of these teams believe that defense is a social construct and so um <laughs> offense is going to be really weird the only thing i would worry about here is pace just because of that asymmetry um, but I, I really do think that, uh, ULM shouldn't have a problem, uh, running the ball against this defense. The only question is, can their defense do anything to disrupt Arkansas state and not let them get away with kind of, you know, airing and out, spreading the ball around and, and keeping pace there. Um, but I, I would lean towards, uh, a war hot cover and I would, I would lean towards an over, uh, here, I think. I, I could get down with it, Kyle. I don't want to step on any of your numbers, but, uh, but I did notice, uh, pace for the season overall uh, looks kind of high for these two teams. Give me, give me your thoughts on this one. Yeah, uh, Arkansas State's 12th in raw tempo this year, and UL Monroe's 29th. So there should be a lot of snaps in this game. And guys, I don't want to bury the lead here. These two defenses are just terrible. I mean, just <laughs> terrible. Arkansas State is dead last in yards per play allowed. 
I've got a couple stats here that I don't get fired up too much here, but um, the Red Wolves have allowed a ridiculous 13 plays of 60 yards or more this year. 13 oh plays. I mean, it's just, that just can't wild. Be real. There are 15 teams in the country that have allowed zero for 60 yards or more. And Arkansas State has allowed 13 plays of 60 yards or more. Uh, you know, you got some serious problems if you're giving up that many plays of 60 yards or more. Uh, and look, guys, UL Monroe is the good defense between the two of these. And if you were talking about just about any other game, you'd be talking about how bad the UL Monroe defense is. Um, you know, Gary, I think when you said we've got some big games to talk about and then we've got some uh, way under the radar, of, you know, not so pretty <laughs> games. I think you were specifically talking about this game, which yes, is the, which the is sicko games. Yes. Yeah. Which is more than fair. Um, black men out for Arkansas State. Guys, it's it's interesting. If you look at PFF's grades, uh, Lane Hatcher actually grades a little bit higher. Uh, they've played some tough defenses here in recent weeks, and they're not playing a tough defense here. Hatcher is a veteran who's had a lot of playing time, so I don't think if there is a drop-off, it's very much. Um, you know, UL Monroe, 117th in opponent QBR allowed, and Arkansas State's going to sling it around for sure, like Parker said. Um, and UL Monroe is a run-heavy team, and Arkansas State is 127th in rushing defense grade at PFF. Um, Arkansas State's, my one concern here is Arkansas State has struggled in pass protection quite a bit. Um, UL Monroe, not a great pass rush, though, 80th in the country in sacks. I think there's going to be a lot of possessions in this game. And if Arkansas State's involved, there's going to be a lot of big plays. So I'm going to take the over in this one. I like it. Let's make it an official play. Kyle is going to ride the over 66 and a half. And anytime you can get to a point where you are rooting for points, I'm all in on that. I like playing overs way more than unders. Uh, now, I don't always do it, of course. It depends on which direction the numbers tell you to go. But when you can get to a game like this, it's just going to be fun. You got no real rooting interest other than, hey, score touchdowns. Uh, that's what we're pulling for. And I expect a lot of them here, especially with two awful defenses, as Parker said, that cannot tackle. And I'm all in. I'm all in. We got three more games to hit before we jump into the Q&A. Let's dive into the next one. Mountain West Conference Showdown. Air Force headed to Colorado State. The Rams are a two-and-a-half-point dog at home. Total of 45 here. Air Force won the last meeting in 2019, 38-21. They are 8-2 and two straight up, but only 5-5 five and five against the spread against Colorado State in their last 10. Air Force 2-0 and oh against the spread this season as a road favorite. They are 5-3 and three against the spread in that situation over the last eight. Colorado State 2-3 and three against the spread their last five as a home dog. They are 0-1 oh so far this season. Uh, Air Force has lost two straight to San Diego State and to Army. I think that plays a lot into this line. Um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dive into everything yet, Kyle. I want to start off with you on this one. Um, I, you look at what Colorado State did last week. Now it's only a one game sample size, but it feels like Colorado State in their last three straight losses, it has continued to decline. You don't like to talk about teams quitting, et cetera, but it feels like there's not a lot of momentum going for Steve Adazio's bunch. They gave up 385 yards rushing. That was 6.75 yards per carry last week to Wyoming, who had been able to do almost nothing. Um, I Give me your thoughts, Kyle. I, I really feel pretty good about this one. Yeah, I think you could definitely argue that this is a bad spot for Air Force coming off their big win last week in overtime. Um, Colorado State also coming off the rivalry game there and the border war loss to Wyoming. So 
you know, both teams off of a big game, Colorado State with a terrible performance, like you said. And really before that game, Colorado State's defense had been pretty good at stopping the run. So I'm not really sure what happened in that one. Uh, these two teams are pretty similar on paper, almost tied in uh, yards per play margin. Colorado State's offense has been awful in the red zone. 16 touchdowns and 38 trips into the red zone. Um, that's hard to do. The easiest way to beat this Air Force defense is in the passing game. Um, Colorado State not particularly strong in the passing game. Uh, Air Force is sixth in the nation in rushing play success rate allowed. I don't think Colorado State will have much success running the football. Uh, Colorado State's actually 11th in rushing play success rate allowed, but we just saw what Wyoming did to them last week. Air Force is going to run it early and often. They do have the ability to throw the ball once in a while, uh, a little bit more than some people would think. Guys, I don't really have any lean on the side in this game, but I think I would take the under if I was betting this one, just because um, both teams are going to run the ball quite a bit. I don't think there's going to be a lot of big plays in this game, a lot of moving clock, uh, total set pretty low, but I'm not sure it's quite low enough. I could totally understand that. I think I think you said that Air Force won last week. Just to clarify, they lost to Army last yep. week, which is one of the reasons why I, I actually like them a lot in this spot. Uh, Parker, you know, Colorado State lost three straight. Um, they have played one other team that rushes like Air Force does. Uh, South Dakota State beat them 42-23 to to start the season and averaged 7.06 yards per rush in that game. Uh, you look at some of the other offenses that Colorado State has had success against, and not not great offenses, not teams that can do what Air Force does. Uh, it's a weird matchup. Of course, they play you know pretty much every year. Sands last season, of course. I I really like Air Force in this spot. What uh what have you got that Mike could back me up here? Yeah, well, I just, I just noticed uh, Larry Pilgrim in the in the chat pointed out that it's Veterans Weekend, and uh, and so definitely that matters for Air Force. Also, what do we say about betting against the troops? We don't do it. That's not we're not betting against troops on this show. Unless um, it's I, I really do. <laughs> Fair. Um, I, I do think that um, th there's, a, there's a couple extenuating factors. So my model is very much, uh, it, it slightly favors the over, so I'd stay away from it because I'm pretty close to the total, but definitely has Air Force covering. Um, uh, I think there's two things that are true here. One, Colorado State was up 13 and nothing on Boise State two weeks ago, and they got outscored 28 to six to blow that game. I think that was the end of their season. Again, using the word quit about college athletes is not something I want to do, but um, that hurts. That's a gut punch for sure. And so their defense has been sneakily good, you know, 12th in defensive EPA, but again, not good offenses. And they've kind of given up some stuff in, in some spots. The other thing, looking at Army Air Force last week, I, I have a couple of maybe conspiracy theories about that. One, that was a 9.30 a.m. body clock kickoff for Air Force, whereas it was 11.30 kickoff no uh yeah 11 30 kickoff for army so that matters and air force had first and 10 on army's 22 and threw an interception air force threw 22 passes in that game hazik daniels is a little you know he gets he airs it out a little bit but um that just kills because i really think they had a chance to win that game plus the body clock stuff so i, I don't take too much inference away from them losing it does look like colorado state is fading for sure here uh one, one thing to match up is colorado state's running a ton and Air Force's defense struggles against the pass, 77th, but they're 60th in EPA per rush compared to 117th on Colorado State's rushing game. So uh, Colorado State is bad at rushing and continues to beat their head against the wall uh, on offense, trying to establish some sort of rush game there. So um, 
One, one key matchup that'll be interesting to look at, uh, Air Force 16th on third and fourth down successes on offense. Colorado State is 19th. And so that'll be pretty feisty to determine, can Air Force extend drives, get more opportunities to break off big plays? But um, man, I really, really think that uh, Air Force should should win this uh, outright money line. Um, and, I, and I definitely lean towards a cover uh, for Air Force. That is the way that I'm rolling. Let's go ahead and make it an official play here. I am going to take Air Force minus the two and a half on the road. This is not a long trip between these two. Uh, it, it's a very short drive, really. And, of course, Veterans Weekend. That was one of my notes that I was going to put down here for it. The loss to Army last week. Veterans Weekend this weekend. I think Air Force is going to be fired up for this one. I really like them in this spot, minus the two and a half. Two more games before Q&A. We are jumping into a big one in the SEC. We've got Texas A&M heading to Oxford, Mississippi to take on Ole Miss and A&M, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, total of 56-and-a-half here. A&M won in 2019, 24-17. to A&M is 3-0 straight up and against the spread their last three against Ole Miss. Of course, <laughs> Ole Miss still dealing with some injuries. Matt Corral is not 100%. Uh, their top two wide receivers are likely out for this game. One of them for sure is with a broken foot, uh, Mingo. Uh, on top of that, you know, there's a little chatter going back and forth between the two schools. Of course, Ole Miss assumed that A&M was scared to play them last season. They were scheduled to play twice, and and it never happened. Of course, A&M had some COVID issues towards the end of the season. It's a, it's a little strange uh, how, how people could think that it would due to fear and everything else. So there might be a little feistiness from both sides. We'll see what happens with that. Um A&M, 8-0 straight up and against the spread as a road favorite since 2017. That number kind of shocked me. And Ole Miss is 0-10 straight up, 1-8-1 against the spread uh, since 2017 as a home underdog. Uh, Really crazy numbers as far as betting trends go. Parker, I want to start off with you on this because uh, I feel like we all feel pretty strongly about this one. Uh, You look at A&M's defense. They're number five in opposing 20-plus yard plays. I don't know where Ole Miss generates it from. And now I feel like Lane will be able to draw up something. He always does. But, man, this is a stout-looking A&M defense right now. It, it really is, man. The defense has gotten so much better um, throughout the season, too. Not that it was bad, but they just are really clicking. Um, and the offense is being consistent enough to, to keep them in games. Fourth overall, um, Gary, my model has this as almost dead even. Uh, Ole Miss 27.8, uh, A&M 27. Um, but when you, so, you know, toss up there, but when you factor in kind of the uncertainty with Ole Miss's injuries and stuff, you know, the raw numbers just can't, can't capture. Um, and, and I really think that A&M's defense is what wins the game here. Um, additionally, you know, Texas A&M on offense, 54th in EPA per rush. Isaiah Spiller is great, even as they've had to shuffle around some offensive linemen. Uh, Ole Miss's defense, 122nd EPA per rush. And again, depleted. Uh, the matchup here is obviously... Um, uh, Ole Miss's eighth-ranked offense versus Texas A&M's fourth-ranked defense. But with Ole Miss having all of their weapons outside, I'm just not sure I can see them creating enough um, on offense to, one, keep keep their defense off the field, and two, score enough to to keep this close. So I think that A&M, as they did last year, is definitely getting hotter down the stretch. They have their eye, as you alluded to earlier, on sneaking into that SEC championship because Alabama blew it. And so I, I think this is a statement game for them to go on the road to a team who got a lot of talk this offseason um, 
and likes to talk a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really think that AM is kind of cruising on all levels. Uh, that Auburn win, I mean, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. They just absolutely vice gripped uh, Auburn. And, and I, I think that they should be able to similarly be disruptive against Ole Miss um, overall. And so I, I really like Texas A&M uh, uh, on the road here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Kyle, interesting number that I pulled up here, uh, net points per drive. A&M has moved all the way up to number nine in the country, and Ole Miss has dropped all the way back to number 29. Ole Miss was for a long time uh, a top six, seven team, and with the way that the season has gone, that has shifted completely. A&M was very low on that early in the season and gradually has built their way back up. I love what Mike Elko is doing on defense. Um, the biggest thing here, I think, is is A&M being able to run the football against Ole Miss. I think they're going to be able to. They're averaging 6.1 yards per us in the last three games. Kyle, you uh, you got a feel on this one? Yeah, I have strong feeling on this one as well, guys. Uh, Texas A&M's defense has gotten better and better every week, and Elko is a tremendous defensive coordinator. There can't be many people that we would name ahead of him as far as the best defensive coordinators in the country. Um, Ole Miss is so badly banged up at this point. Uh, Corral is far less than 100%. The rest of the offense, a complete mess. Uh, the offensive line has really been banged up a lot here. Brown was a huge loss for Ole Miss on the offensive line. And uh, they could have as many as three reserve linemen starting in this game. Uh, the Ole Miss running game, while uh, Corral got all the talk, right? So uh, the Ole Miss running game was really good for a long time early in the season. I know Kiffin's been really upset that they can't get those explosive runs here of late. Uh the last couple of weeks, they've really struggled on that. They only had four yards per carry against Auburn. And then last week, they ran for only 142 yards against Liberty, and 70 of those were on one play. So not a very good uh, rushing attack for them in that one. Texas A&M here, they're going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball because uh, they should be able to do it every time. 121st in success rate on defense for Ole Miss, 124th in defensive rushing play success rate. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of spiller coming in this one. Uh, do I think Ole Miss can stop it? I really doubt that. You know, I just don't see it happening here. I don't think Calzada needs to be a hero in a game like this. I think he just needs to do enough, game manager. Uh, he's been solid. Uh, you know, the Texas A&M defense is so much better than the Ole Miss defense. And obviously Ole Miss has the better defense or better offense uh, when they're healthy, but they're not even close to healthy. We know that. So uh, at this point, Texas A&M is the more talented team uh, with who's going to be on the field. I really like the way they're rounding into form. I feel like this is two teams going in completely different directions right now. That's exactly the way that I feel. And and I've talked a lot about A&M being the next one up if Alabama were to fall later in the season. Uh, but Ole Miss, still right there. I mean, they've only got two losses in the SEC. So, uh, I mean, it's possible for either one of these teams. It would just require a little more. Uh, for Ole Miss to get there if they were to, uh, or if Alabama were to lose at that point. So uh, with that said, uh, we're going to make it official. And gentlemen, this is another Unity Infinity lock for us. We are all three riding with Texas A&M minus the two and a half. I feel really strongly about this. Uh, my line yeah. on it was five. I really think that they might go in and just bash them. Uh, much the same way that Auburn did, right? Now, the Auburn one was on the road. Oxford at night could be a little bit crazy. 
but this is just a really strong football team with Texas A&M right now. They are rolling at the absolute perfect time. Uh, it's it's official. It is absolutely official. All three with Texas A&M minus two and a half. We've got one game left before the Q and A, so let's go ahead and do it. Uh, Mark, jump wait, in Gary, where was our where was our Stone Cold Lock sound effect? We still got to work on That's, that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad idea. I might come up with something like that. Uh, we we can do it for the next you know three weeks or whatever it is that we uh, that we've got these. Um, Notre Dame at Virginia is our last game before the Q and A. Uh, you know, I this this looks like it could be a really fun ball game. Uh, the line here, Virginia, a five-and-a-half-point underdog at home, total of 64. They played in 2019. It was 35-20, to 20, uh, but that was a different offense for Virginia at that time. Uh, Brendan Armstrong may not play. Bronco Mendenhall is planning on him to play. I would fully expect him to be able to play. There has been a bye week between the BYU game where he uh, broke or bruised a rib or whatever it was. Uh, on the other side, Notre Dame, of course, uh, understands the injury bug. Kyle Hamilton, not going to play. Uh, Notre Dame has won their last 10 straight up as a road favorite. They're 4-2 and two against the spread, the last six in that role. Virginia, 4-1 and one against the spread and straight up their last five as a home dog, and that's dating all the way back to 2017. Virginia not in this role very often. 5-4 and four as a dog since the beginning of the 2020 season is Virginia. Uh, so they they know how to cover. They know how to cover some of these. This entire line, I think, is based on whether or not Armstrong plays, and I think that's what the majority of people are going to do. They're going to wait until right up to kickoff and see what happens here because if he plays, you could absolutely see Virginia being able to put up some points on that Notre Dame secondary. If he doesn't, it could get really dicey for the Cavaliers. Uh, UVA defense giving up over eight yards per play to Louisville, Georgia Tech, and BYU in three of the last four. Uh, they did play Duke in there somewhere, so uh, those numbers not all exactly right. Notre Dame offense has averaged over seven yards per play in their last two against North Carolina and Navy. I expect Notre Dame to have one of their best offensive performances here. Kyle, I want to start off with you. Notre Dame has really kind of gotten it clicking a little bit on offense since their bye week. Uh, what Brian Kelly has done with this team has been nothing short of amazing. I expected them to go under nine wins this year, and they look phenomenal. Now, part of that's the schedule, but Kyle, give me uh, give me your thought on the Who's and the Irish. So, guys, as strong as I feel about the last game we talked about, uh, Texas A&M, I don't feel strongly at all about this game. So, uh, you know, if Brennan Armstrong plays, I think I would like the over in this game if I had to bet something. Uh, I know Mendenhall says he's not going to have an official update until the ball's kicked off for this one. So <laughs> all of us are going to find out at the same time whether he's playing or not, which, you know, um, Jay Wolfolk played a little bit last last game and then uh, Keaton Thompson also on that roster. So that he could have some impact as well. I don't want to guess what's going to happen with Virginia in this game. And Notre Dame's defense has actually played well in recent weeks. Uh, I know North Carolina put up a big number on them, but North Carolina does that against quite a few people. Notre Dame is a well-coached team. Like you said, Brian Kelly's done a good job. Uh, Freeman's done a good job with that defense. So uh, I really don't know what to do with this game. I know there are a lot of bets being placed on Notre Dame here so far this week. It looks like 70% of the bets and 77% of the money is on Notre Dame. If Armstrong plays, uh, like you said, Gary, I'm concerned uh, that with the injuries in the Notre Dame secondary that Virginia could throw it around on him quite a bit. So I wouldn't want to lay the points here with Notre Dame. I would tend to lean slightly toward Virginia, but 
there's too much unknown, guys. I don't like the unknown, so I'm going to pass on this one. That's the same way that I am. Uh, Parker, uh, does this really just come down to Brendan Armstrong for you? It, it does and it doesn't. Um, one, I mean, I had this on the sheet as Virginia plus five, and then Gary wisely texted me and said, are you sure that uh, <laughs> Brendan Armstrong is going to play? Do you want to do? I was like, oh, thank you. That's a good catch. Uh, I'm so scatterbrained. But yeah, so, so I mean, Virginia's defense is, is pretty bad. Um, but Notre Dame's defense has been good, but man, they've allowed good offenses to, um, to kind of score on them. One thing that interests me is, uh, kind of in that Notre Dame uh, defense versus Virginia offense, when Notre Dame gives up points, they've been giving up kind of, uh, chunk drive. So like North Carolina, that game was a lot closer than it looked like for, for Notre Dame and, and North Carolina had scoring drives, uh, touchdowns of 81 yards. Uh, 79 yards, 75 yards, 75 yards. So it's not like there was like fluke touchdowns or anything. No, North Carolina is just driving the ball against them. And so I, I, I do think that West Virginia will be uh, able to kind of move the ball. They're, you know, they're fourth in success rate on offense and 15th in EPA. So basically they're all about opportunity is move the ball consistently and then do something crazy. That That's what really comes down to for me is Virginia's creativity on offense. Keontae Thompson, who, um, Kyle just mentioned is listed as football player on the, on the depth chart. They, they are putting him in so many things. They're not afraid. Robert and there is not afraid to do double passes. They've got a solid rushing game and they have legitimately, you know, three or four explosive guys outside that can really stress test Notre Dame uh, almost like nobody else could. I, I I've debated about saying whether this is kind of the best wide receiving unit Notre Dame has played this season because I mean, granted, USC has some really good ones, but they've got some problems, you know, all, all around. Um, if if Armstrong is healthy and can go, I mean, I think Virginia should keep this close and this might get a little pointy. But if he's not, I, I wonder how much pressure Notre Dame can put on Virginia and kind of, again, do a do a Python squeeze here and, and win a low scoring game. So that that I really like what Virginia's offense could do against this defense. And it would be so fun to see a good, uh, healthy Armstrong here. But without certainty on whether Armstrong is a playing or B a hundred percent. I can't, I can't in good faith recommend putting money on this game, you know? And that's uh, the exact same way that I feel on it. My line with Armstrong in the game is, uh, is five for Notre Dame without him is eight for Notre Dame. So I, you got me. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but we are not going to make an official play on this one. Uh, until I guess Bronco lets us know what's going down. So you might have to pay attention to the Twitter feeds for that one. Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the Q&A, and we have got several questions already. Uh, one again, thank uh, Larry and Nathan and Mark, and good gracious, I'm reading through all of them right now. Um, Scott and Alex, etc. Let's go ahead and dive into the first question. Scott wanted to know, TCU against Oklahoma State. Uh, he talked about that Oklahoma State minus 13. Parker, I want to get your opinion on this. Was last week a you know, dead count bounce for TCU, or do we see some real changes from Jerry Kill and that staff, and maybe they can come up with something against that tough Oklahoma State defense? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, the reasons – I could pontificate on the reasons for why TC's offense looked different against Baylor last week uh, for perhaps uh, an entire you know hour and a half, and I, I won't do that here. Um, I, I do think that TCU was a lot more creative on offense. I think they were a little bit more risk-taking. They certainly ran less, which has to do with you know who's in charge and who's kind of interested in that. I think most interesting on the defensive side for TCU, they, they were able to be a little bit simpler in their calls and kind of cater a little bit st to strengths of guys who – you know, don't necessarily um, weren't necessarily being able to maximize uh, that 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 defense under Patterson. Um, I, I like TCU's offense has been good all season. They've got great guys 
uh, there. And I do think that Quentin Johnston, TC wide receiver, could be the best player on the field. Um, that being said, uh, if, if TCU's defense is a little bit better, uh, I really think that Oklahoma State is going to struggle to score consistently here. And so uh, my model has this as 31-20 Oklahoma State. I, I would feel comfortable with a, with a bet on TCU here. Um, again, just ride the hot hand from last week. Um, and and so I, I really think there's reason to believe that TCU will be a little bit more creative. You look at the history here, obviously Patterson's not on the sideline, but he's been very annoying as an underdog to Oklahoma State multiple times over recent years. Um, it is in Stillwater. And uh, TCU's been very bad on the road this year, but um, I think I think they'll cover for sure. I mean, 13 and a half points for for a team that is defense heavy and and very bad on offense, plus two teams that are running the ball at you know 112th early downs rush rate for Oklahoma State, 97th for TCU. Um, I, I think 14 and a half or 13 and a half is a whole lot of points there. Oh, I, I tend to agree. By the way, if anybody wants to hear more exciting words like pontificate. You can always go and check out the Purple Theory podcast if you want to hear him talk about Oklahoma State TCU for like an hour. So go ahead and knock that one out. Uh, Kyle, you got a you got a feel on that one from the other side. It just 13 points seemed crazy, and it because the line kind of kind of stunk to me. That's why I stayed away from it. Yeah, I, I like the under some in this one, and it sounds like I think Parker. It sounds like you would lean to the under as well. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I I think. Um, Oklahoma State is going to try to run the ball pretty consistently. We still think uh, Spencer Sanders is not a very good quarterback as far as throwing the football. And uh, Oklahoma State's defense is excellent. You know, I've talked about that time after time. This is a really, really good Oklahoma State defense. So much tougher defense than uh, TCU was playing last week, certainly. But I don't think Oklahoma State's the type of team that's going to uh, get a massive margin on a team that's a, that has quite a bit of talent. So uh, 54 and a half. That seems like a pretty high number to me. Yeah, I can, uh, I can understand that. Uh, let's do a little rapid fire on this. Uh, Mark wants to know about Washington state plus 14 at Oregon. Uh, total is 57 and a half. Kyle, you, uh, you got a feel on that one. Washington state. Is that what you said? Oregon, yeah. Washington yeah, state plus, plus 14 at Oregon. It's a late game. Yeah. Um, I do have a feel on this one. This one was almost one of my plays, uh, for today. I, I like Washington State in this one. I think Washington State has a chance. Uh, they had extra time to get ready here. Uh, you know, this team has played pretty good, guys. I don't think Washington State's gotten enough credit because, you know, they went to Arizona State and won. Arizona State is a bit tough to figure out. I mean, they're a very talented kind of up-and-down team. But Washington State, and, and I, I know that this is kind of a really bold take, uh, but Washington State isn't totally out of it in the Pac-12. I mean, look at who they play after this. Arizona and Washington. And I mean, Washington, the state of that program right now is not exactly tremendous. So if you think Washington state has a chance to win this game, I've seen far worse bets than Washington state to win the PAC 12. Uh, so uh, I like Washington state here plus the 14 and uh, I wouldn't be totally stunned if they, if they won this game, it's one of those where I feel like there is uh, quite a bit of different things that could happen in this game that wouldn't really surprise me too much. Oregon will want to run here. Washington State offensively, can they be good enough to stay in this game? I think 14 is quite a few, so I do like Washington State here. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, I can see that. Uh, Parker, you got a you got a feel here. And 14 just seemed kind of crazy, which again, line stinks. I'm not going to touch it. What uh, what do you think? Yeah, co cosign on that. I think that Oregon will will try and rush a lot just because they're you know Washington State's defense is a little better against the pass, um, and so that pacing issue and everything. I, I think that I have this as at at uh, under ten 
And so I'd, I'd be fine with Washington State bet here, too. Uh, rapid fire on these two. Alex wanted to know about UTEP minus one against North Texas. Uh, total of 55 on that. Parker, start off with you. Uh, it, line seems a little short for UTEP. And, but at the same time, I don't know that UTEP's offense can necessarily keep up with North Texas if they're able to hit some of those big plays. Uh, I don't know if last week was UTEP Super Bowl and they didn't show up. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of this. You, uh, you got a feel on it, Parker? Uh, UTEP. Oh my gosh. I wish I had picked that officially. I guess I didn't really think about it being only one there. Um, North Texas can only kind of rush the ball 36 in EPA per rush. They're rushing at 62.5% of the time. UTEP's defense is hell on the rush, man. Seventh in EPA per rush and uh, 13th in, in success rate. So I, I have this at, at uh, UTEP plus six and I will tell all of you in good faith, as soon as the show's over, I'm going to go toss some money on UTEP because <laughs> dang. There you go. Uh, and Kyle, I want to get your opinion on this one. Larry jumped in uh, along with Nathan. Oregon State minus 12 and a half against Stanford with all of Stanford's quarterback problems and Stanford not being able to run the football. Uh, the line got a little too high for me. It, it was just moving way too much. What uh, What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, guys, you, you don't really think I'm going to bet Stanford, do you? I mean, I, we've, we've seen what Stanford's <laughs> been doing lately. Uh, no chance I could bet on Stanford. I know that the uh, David Shaw's probably on the hot, hot seat at this point. You know, this is a, a program that they didn't just lose to Utah. I mean, you, you saw the stats, what was like, you know, 200 and some yards to zero at one point uh, at home against Utah. And I know they have quarterback issues there, but I, I don't think it, uh, it's it really, you know, it's not a quarterback issue when you're giving up 10 yards per play like they were against Utah. So uh, Stanford's defense doesn't inspire me in any way. Only way I could bet this game would be Oregon State. I can totally side with that. Let's go ahead and jump into the recap for today. Uh, we'll give you the picks that we have given out thus far on the show. Parker, we will start off with you. Yeah, so I'm writing a three today. I, I like Troy plus six and a half versus uh, hosting Louisiana. I like Iowa State to run over um, Texas Tech on the road. And um, like both of you, I really like Texas A&M versus Ole Miss two and a half there. Um, and this one's not official. It doesn't count to my record. But please go bet UTEP. I like that one a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am going to ride with three teams that can run the football South Carolina is a pick em over Missouri. I like air force minus two and a half on the road at Colorado state. And I like a and M of course, the unity lock here, uh, a and M minus two and a half on the road in Oxford. Kyle, uh, what, uh, what you got for us? Gary, you're very on brand there with the running teams and the old man <laughs> football. I like it. Um, Arkansas state and Monroe over 66 and a half for me, uh, in that ugly game that should feature very little defense. And then Texas A&M minus two and a half. And guys, I believe we're two and one on these unity plays. So hopefully we can make this three and one. I would be so for that. Good gracious. What a uh, what a fantastic slate of football games this weekend. We are looking forward to watching. If you have any questions, comments, et cetera, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. You can always reach out in the comments section as well. We want to know your picks. If you've got any questions, we always check those throughout the weekend, uh, especially during the Thursday night, Friday night games, et cetera. So dive in with any questions, comments, et cetera there. We want to hear what you are thinking about the show, ways that you think that we can make this better. This is your product. We want to please you guys. So, so let us know with any opinions or anything that you have on the show. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Hit that notification bell. It lets you know when we go live. That's on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 
Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And make sure and comment, of course, with your picks, etc. And share out the show. Tell your friends about it. We want these live shows to be a spectacle. You guys already do a fantastic job. P-Matt, Larry, uh, uh, Mark, Nathan, etc., Alex, all you guys that jump into the chat, we could not appreciate you more. Uh, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know that you need to sign up at BetUS. It's where the game begins, BetUS.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You get a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. So go ahead and knock that thing out. There's a link in the description for that. Uh, also, download the podcast. Go leave a nice five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. With that said, gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun the last two days, but we have got football to attend to. So, for BetUS, where the game begins, we'll see you all again next Wednesday.